kills us every day It's the art that heals us It heals us every way Hello, on today's episode of The Art That Heals Us, we have the visual artist Vivian Blewett. She is a Kansas City, Missouri resident, born in Texas. She's a wife, a mother of three, and a dog mom of three as well. She is a self-taught artist. She's been painting for about five years and has a business called Expressions of Blue, LLC. She's also an active member of Black Space Black Art. She's the art facilitator for Village KC. She has participated in many vendor events in the city and has several public places where she has her art showing all over the city. Um, She's also a designer and a lead artist for the Black Lives Matter Street Murals project that took place on 63rd and Brookside last year in 2020 in the summer. She's excited for her future and she looks forward to the art future of Kansas City. Please give a warm welcome to Vivian Blewett. Hey, hey, hey. This is the Art That Heals Us podcast. We have a special guest, Vivian Blewett, who is a visual artist in Kansas City, Missouri. And I would like for her to introduce herself. Hey, y'all. This is Vivian Blewett. I am, like Nikita just said, a visual artist here in Kansas City. I was uh, born in Texas, raised here in Kansas City. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. Thank you. So let's tell the people how we know each other. So about four years ago, I started painting and then um, I was a part of an art collective here in Kansas City and I met Vivian. We instantly almost clicked. Like, well, let me say this. First of all, it was like that. "Mm, Is she cool? Don't lie. Don't lie, sis. She's laughing. So like she is a Virgo. I am a Leo. Sometimes we get along in those signs and sometimes not, but it was kind of like, a, oh, I think I said something to you like, oh, I just saw your video when you hung your art at the such and such. And you was like, did you share it? <laughs> and I said, yeah, actually I did. And she was like, oh, okay. So then it was like, mm, do I want to be cool with her? Oh, she's cool. So guess what? Here we are four years later. Aren't we just, that's awesome, right? It is. Okay. All right. So what we're going to do first is I want you to tell me about your journey as a creative. I know that I said in your bio that you've been painting for about five years, but tell us what that looked like. How did you get started painting? So first, I want to say (laughs) that I really I get that a lot when I first meet people. I am very skeptical of people. I don't trust people very well. Right. So when I meet people, I'm always like gauging like, oh gosh, is this person cool or are they not cool? And I think people do that to me too. Cause sometimes I think I can look like I'm not approachable, but I'm so, 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 so nice. But digressing from the actual question, I got started painting. It was years back, probably my early thirties. I want to say 33, 34, something like that. So even further back than that, when I was younger, when I was a kid, I was always a a doodler. Like I always liked sketching. I always loved coloring. I always just liked doing things where I was creating things, right? So when I got older, I had made mention to um, a guy who is my ex-fiance that I wanted to paint. We had just happened to be having a conversation. And one of the convers one thing that I said is that, you know, I want to paint. And 
for Christmas, I got like all of these art supplies, like everything that you can imagine, watercolor, acrylics, oils, pastels, colored pencils, everything. I got everything. I think I opened it, I played around with it, and I put it back in the box. And it was probably literally 10 years later. I got laid off work. I'm sitting at home having just a real general conversation with a friend at my dining room table. And she is showing me some paintings that she did at home. And I was like, oh my gosh, these are so great. And I'm like, you know what? I have an art set. Let me pull this thing out. So that is literally how I started painting. I pulled out that art set that I had gotten 10 years prior. And I had a piece of cardboard. It was like a cardboard box, literally. And I started painting on this little piece of cardboard at my dining room table. And that is kind of what started this whole thing. And I really think it went a little further than that with the encouragement of my village, the encouragement of other people saying, you know, these are good. These are really nice. You should share these. And someone telling you that you should share something and you having the courage to actually do it are two different things. So once I finally got the courage to share, then there were people who were able to connect with what it is that I painted. And it made me want to continue to share, to show, you know, what was inside, you know, because everything that people that you create is a reflection of who you are, right? So that made it easier for me to share is the fact that people were actually connecting to what I was creating. Awesome. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So it sounds like you literally started from the bottom. Now you here. Uh yeah. I want to highlight particularly the most recent major thing that you have done, which was the Black Lives Matter street mural last year um, in 2020. Um, the PBS special that you guys had done that was created around that was nominated for an Emmy. So give your girl some snaps. Okay, yes. And Vivian was an artist lead um, over the project that was on 63rd and Brookside. So talk to us a little bit about what that process looked like with you going through from beginning to end. That um, process, um, now that I look back on it, it's definitely a lot to celebrate there because when I first started it, I was in complete denial that I could even do it. I did not believe that I was gonna be able to pull it off. It was actually brought to us as a group. So I am a part of a group an artist collective called Black Space Black Art, which is the collective that we met in. And through this collective, um, the curator, which is Nikita, um, sorry, <laughs> Natasha, which is Natasha Elskari, she brought us the opportunity. She presented us with the opportunity of having these street murals. Well, when she came to us as a group, we assumed or I assumed that we were going to be doing this project as a group, that I had seen these street murals um, online and 
on social media that other cities had done where they had done like the the really big yellow letters and i'm like oh wow we're gonna be able to do that Of, of course i would love to do that you know we have each other we have you know the group we can lean on each other and natasha said well yeah no you guys would get your own block so you you won't be do it is a group project but it's also an individual project so i immediately became very fearful and i noticed that when i'm afraid of something everything that i think about it becomes negative and all of the negative thoughts that i had that you can't do this you are not experienced enough you don't know what you're doing nobody is going to help you it's going to be crappy it's going to be raggedy you're going to be stressed out like all of these things i was thinking i can't do this and even though i'm thinking i can't do this something in me said yes i'm going to take this opportunity and i'm gonna show up because i may not ever get this opportunity again to show up for my community in such a huge way so although all of the negative thoughts that fed me showed up i still said yes to the opportunity so i had not worked with any type of digital art before but i knew that in order for me to submit my design it needed to be digital so i had to purchase the program learn how to use the program i had to learn a lot of things in a small amount of time and luckily i had the support of the collective to lean on i think we leaned on each other so, so much. So even though we all had our own individual block, we still had each other. We still had each other um, to help us discover how to use this program. Even things, there was a time where, of course, again, I was afraid and I'm like, this is gonna be crappy because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm overwhelmed. I have bitten off more than I can chew. So I called Adrian. And Adrian is one of the members of Black Space Black Art. And I'm like bawling on the phone. Like, what am I gonna do? This is gonna be so terrible. It's gonna be a mess. And she said, "Um, Vivian, first of all, nothing that you do is crappy. So stop telling yourself that it's gonna be crappy. She said, we are not going to allow it to be crappy. You have support. So just relax and do what you know how to do. And even though it sounds super simple, it really, really, really helped me just hearing that from another person that was not Vivian, hearing that from someone who was not my husband, hearing that from someone that wasn't somebody that's just saying what they have to say because they are being polite. That helped me a lot with um, just the nervousness of, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So a couple of things that you said I wanted to make sure that we touch on. So basically you mentioned, first of all, imposter syndrome. So like being in a space where 
you are doing the work. People are seeing that you're doing the work. They know you're capable. They can see the potential in what you can bring. But yet that negative self-talk is like, what the hell am I doing? Like, mm-mm. like you said, you felt you felt like you were biting off more than you can chew. You were in a space where it just was not going to happen. So I like that you talked about that because so many times people are not really authentic when it comes to that. Like, well, they don't really want to share it because it's kind of like, oh, now y'all all up in my business. Like, this is what I be telling myself. So can you talk to me a little bit about how you think overcoming that has helped you continue now that you see where it's gone? Like you guys have a whole uh, Emmy nomination. Like now that you see where it's gone, you've seen the impact on the community. It's been touching, impactful to all of these people and all of these things. How has that helped you? That one particular situation that you had to do for where you are now? I will say that I deal with imposter syndrome all the time. It definitely was not just that one occasion. It is any anything that I'm presented with that I have never done before. In my head, it is, girl, can you really do this though? <laughs> like, really? But um, and I, I just push past it at. I think I, there are some things now that I am super confident that I can accomplish. I know from trial and error, I just know what I am capable of, but I do think that I lean on a village a lot when it comes to just needing to hear, you got it. You are so downplaying. I have a friend, um, her name is Deanna, and she is actually um, the founder of The Village KC, which is a nonprofit organization. And she says all the time, I tell her, you really know how to hype me up. Because she'll say, sis, you are just so dope. You, are, you just don't realize how dope you are. And she says that to me all the time to where now, you know, I'm kind of like, Girl, you just said that to be because you my friend, but I'm telling you, hearing that from people that are not people that you expect to hear it from, it really goes a long way for people. It really helps. So I'm not I'm not going to say that I'm not afraid. I'm just going to say that I just try to push through and worst case scenario is crappy the thing is, is I've learned from it. What made that crappy? What could you have done that was different? What do you need to do to make it right? If it was crappy, what do you need to do to make it right? And nine times out of 10, it ain't crappy. It's just the way that we talk to ourselves because we've been conditioned to speak to ourselves like that in our head. So there was a meme that I, that I read that said, um, you have to be careful about the way that you talk about yourself to yourself. And I try to remember that, that I have to be careful about how I talk about myself to myself because I am my own worst critic. I am my biggest critic and I have to be careful of that because it can really set you up. It can, you can miss a lot of opportunities just talking to yourself in a certain way. Thank you. You know what? You're really right. And I love that you um, have realized that community has helped you in certain ways, as well as your friends. I think that sometimes that gets dismissed because we could be our worst critic, but we also could be like hyping ourselves up so much. <laughs> and we don't 
Okay, no, let me back up. I like what you said, first of all, about getting compliments and praise and or validation from people that you don't expect to, because you can, yes, expect your immediately close family members and your best friends and your husband and all these people to say these things. But when it comes from someone that may see you from afar on social media or see you um, just in the community and they say that to you, it sounds like that that's like a big deal, right? Absolutely. It's a big deal. It's a big deal to me. It, it's a big deal to me because as a visual artist and somebody who absolutely despises commission pieces, most of the creating that I do is solely for myself. I create what I want to create and I create what I want to see, what I want to feel, what's going on with me at the time. So being that said, when someone else can connect to that, it makes me feel like, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. There, there are really there's really something to this. You know what I mean? It's not just like, oh, well, they wanted to see Cardi B, so I painted Cardi B and everybody loves loves Cardi B. Like, yeah, no, that's just not my thing. And I am okay with that not being my thing because there are things that are my thing that people do connect to. You know what I mean? So I... I do enjoy when people connect to those things because I know that I wasn't trying to be a people pleaser when I did this and someone was still able to see exactly what I was trying to say, even when I wasn't trying to people please when doing this, because that's a real thing for me. I am a huge people pleaser and that has bitten me in the butt so many times and I'm trying to come out of that also. So yeah, I got a lot going on. I mean, <laughs> it can be a lot, but I'm really trying to recognize those things so that I can change those things about myself because it gives me a lot more peace. Just not feeling like I have to people please. It, it makes life a little easier. Like, hey, <laughs> it's, hey, it's all right. We live in the city. I mean, yeah, hopefully everybody's all right. Exactly. All right. So I noticed that you do a lot of advocacy pieces. Um, so like you do a lot that has to do with um, racism, um, especially like the Black Lives Matter murals. Those are separate. But I noticed when we first met that you had some pieces where well first of all you if you guys don't know she does a lot of pieces with children and um she portrays the children in certain situations and a lot of her pieces and one that i can think of particularly is uh the one that's at the ice cream uh parlor i think like the lunch counter excuse me i remember when you sold that one and there was an older white gentleman that purchased it and just like you mentioned that he connected with a piece of art that you made solely because you knew how you felt about that. I remember like watching you and watching him. And I thought that that was so amazing to witness because the generational gap was there. And I think that he truly really understood what that meant. So can you talk to the people about what that piece was? If you can like explain it so that they can like visualize it. Sure. So first of all, that lunch counter piece, when I created that lunch counter piece, um, it was um, a piece of art that had three 
children. It showed three children that were sitting at a lunch counter and there was one milkshake on the counter. And it also showed the background of the lunch counter and the sign in the window said, um, sorry, we're closed. And the other sign said, we serve whites only. This was Black History Month and we were showing our art at the Center for Spiritual Living. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was one of, uh, actually, I think it was our very first showing yeah, for Black Space Black Art. And it was the first time that I had been a guest at the Center for Spiritual Living. And this place is um, majority white. So even though it was Black History Month, we were told to show up exactly as you are. Don't change who you are to fit this space. Show up as the person that you are. And in my head, I'm like, it's Black History Month. So I'm going to create something that is reflective of Black history. So I created the lunch counter piece. And I had some other art that was there that I was showing, but I put that piece up there on that wall. <laughs> <laughs> and those people started walking past me with those eyes and those looks, I mean, almost everyone ignored me initially and i was like oh my god what did i do why did i bring this piece of art here because i felt i felt indirectly attacked i felt like nobody's gonna talk to me everybody's gonna avoid this nobody is gonna want to talk about this well eventually there were people who approached me um, there was one guy in particular who happened to be black, who walked up and he looked at the painting. He looked at me. He looked back at the painting and said, we serve whites only, huh? Mm. And he rolled his eyes at me and he walked away. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do? There was um, another lady who, she walked up to me and she we, were ha we had a really good conversation. It was really long. We talked about how she lived in, even though she was a white lady and she was a teacher, she lived in the inner city intentionally. And she wanted to make sure that she made a difference and that she was teaching um, inner city kids and on and on and on. So in my head, you know, I went to my car, I called my husband, I was almost in tears. And I'm like, first of all, to even create the piece, and there were children, like children. And having to make it historically accurate by putting the sorry we're closed and we serve whites only signs in the windows, it really made me emotional. I literally cried when I painted those signs in that window. And I had to consult friends, like should I do this or should I just leave it? And it was my husband that said, you know, if you are not going to be authentic, then don't do it at all. Because if you don't put those signs and it's, what is it gonna mean? It's just gonna be kids sitting at a counter. So what is that, you know? So I said, okay, I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna put these signs in the window because those signs basically made or broke that painting. Absolutely. So, Putting those signs in the windows, being a mother and thinking in my head that 
there was a point in time that my sons could not go and sit at a lunch counter and be served. There was a point in time that someone could look at my nine-year-old child or my six-year-old kid and that milkshake that was available would go in the trash. They would rather throw it in the trash than to sell it to my child, not give it away, but even take my baby's money. That was heartbreaking for me. So to put those signs in that window was a huge deal, right? So in the midst of my pity party, because I feel like I just brought the wrong thing, I said the wrong thing, this was not the right audience, I should not have showed up in this way. Um, I got a phone call from Natasha and she said, this piece has sold. Now, mind you, this piece of art, if I'm not mistaken, stayed on exhibit at the Center for Spiritual Living for a month because all of our art at that time stayed up for a month. And I kept, when it was over, I went and got it, took it home, put it in my house, you know, and I'm like, I don't care if nobody wants it. If nobody, I mean, I love it. If it has to be here forever, it has to be here forever. And she was like, somebody wants it, it's sold. And I was like, what? <laughs> sold, And but the caveat was who bought it. Like you were saying before, it was this elderly man. He was an elderly white man. And he's like, I was like, I wanna meet him. Like, I'm really curious to know why he wanted this piece of art and when i met him and i'm telling him oh my gosh i was just so nervous to even show this and he said well you might want to get used to being nervous because you need to do this this art is important he said i lived back in these days and i remember when people were treated like this and it always bothered me but i never did anything about it i never felt like i had the power to do anything about it i just felt bad he said and now that that all this time has passed i've never forgotten how that made me feel and i never want to forget how that made me feel and i do want to be empowered and i want to know that i do have the power to do something he said i want you to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because you really need to keep doing this. Mm. And that coming from this man, I have absolutely no idea who that man was, but it showed, that piece spoke to him in a way that I had no idea was even gonna show up for him. Cause in my head, I'm doing it for the culture, right? But that's not how that translated for him. Wow. Did y'all hear that? Just take that in for a minute. That is, no, no, seriously, that's very powerful for many reasons. One, you mentioned, just like earlier, people say things to you that from, well, things come to you that are validating from people that you don't expect. So I'm sure that you didn't expect that coming from him. I feel that just like the podcast is named, The Art That Heals Us, this literally was that. It's literally was that for him because him he could have been one of those little kids like at those ages maybe possibly right and he felt like he couldn't do do anything about it at the time but his advocacy at that moment was purchasing the, the piece from from an artist that it truly came from your heart with the just the mindset that you said you thought about that could be my kid that could have been my kid and that's only been 60 years ago right um i think that that's very powerful and i think that 
visual artists have um, a special way outside of, you know, any other type of creative that they really literally can put it on the canvas. I remember you telling me, um, and I use this, I coined this, I put it in my book um, a couple of years ago when we were talking about emotions and how we process things and what really fuels our art. And I said something to you about what I was going through and you go, put it on the canvases. And I never forget that because I think that's the best way that we heal ourselves as visual artists. Um, not only are we able to put our emotions onto the canvas, but we can put other people's and we can foresee what someone else may be thinking. Um, and I think that was the epitome of that. So I thank you for sharing that for sure. We're running out of time here, but I do want to also um, note that she is, don't get me wrong, sis. I want to say what your actual role is. <laughs> at the Village KC, because I want you to talk about that. One thing I can say about Vivian is she is amazing with children when it comes to art. Like she just lets them do whatever. I I try to do that. I think I do to a certain extent when they come to the parties, but then it's like, oh, I sketched that like that. And you just gonna throw that paint over. You know what, hey baby girl, that's cool. But like Vivian just like has this touch where she's just like, that is amazing. So <laughs> I want you to talk about a little bit about what you do at Village KC. Um, before I talk about what I do at the Village KC, I do want to just back up just a tiny bit in talking about um, what visual artists have the ability to do. I do feel like visual artists have the ability to get people to think and understand things that people, when you have a conversation with people, sometimes you can't get them to acknowledge. You can't get them to understand it with words. Because I do feel like a lot of times people want to use the language as a barrier. They want to pretend like they don't understand what you're trying to tell them because you didn't use the right words, because you didn't say it the right way, because you didn't use the right tone. When you are a visual artist, you have the ability to get people to see what you are saying versus hear what you are saying. When people see what you're saying, there is not the interruption of semantic noise. They have to have that conversation within themselves, by themselves. And if if someone can't see what you're saying, it's because they, they are legitimately closing their eyes. They are choosing to be blind to what it is that you're showing them, not because you're speaking a foreign language and they can't understand what it is that you're saying. So visual artists, I do believe have one, a responsibility and we have um, the luxury of being able to express things through our eyes visually. Now, moving forward to in addition to um, the question that you just asked me about my role with the Village KC, um, I do want to say that I absolutely love the work that the Village KC does with our community. And my role with the Village KC is I am the artist facilitator. So what we do is we try to engage with teenagers. We try to engage with kids um, fifth grade to 12th grade and I sit down with the kids and we have an art class and it is basically a freestyle art class. So my goal is to get kids to be to learn how to express themselves in more than just one way. If this is how you're feeling, put that on the canvas. If you want to throw that paint, throw it because there are some pretty dope 
paintings that have come from people just throwing their paint. And I do show people examples. I show the kids examples of if this is how your art turns out, guess what? That's okay. Everybody is not going to be Picasso, which that's a totally different story, but everybody is not going to be a professional on the first day, but at least express at least if this is what it looks like, if this is what anger looks like for you, throw it out there. If this is what love looks like for you, throw it out there. It doesn't always have to be a face. It doesn't even always have to be a shape. It just has to be something that comes from you. So that is the goal with the Village Arts Program. And I really do encourage people to sign their kids up. It's a free program. Uh, The supplies are free. You just gotta show up and bring your kids. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. I love that um, you mentioned that artists have the responsibility to almost um, show what people are not saying, I think. Is that, I think that's what you meant to. Don't stop me if I'm wrong. Um, I also like that you allow the children in the program that you're a part of to express themselves no matter what that looks like for them, because that's therapy as well, um, unofficially, um, you know, and I know that art therapy is used greatly, especially with kids, um, because sometimes they don't have the language, they don't have the words. So um, sometimes we might not even realize what we're really doing when we're doing it and how impactful that can be. I'm pretty sure that you understand that, but like sometimes we really don't cognitively think of it in that way. And so I just appreciate you for being that for the community because people People are needed like you. Like, I really do believe that. Um, one of the things I always say is that this podcast was for specific creatives or specifically for creatives to um, highlight what they do in the background because we can only see so much. And I will tell you, Vivian is a very humble person where she really doesn't like to hype herself up. Like, for real, I'm just telling y'all. Um, so I think <laughs> that this podcast, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that there was a space to do that because my friends are dope. They just are. And you guys heard it yourselves from Vivian, her, um, about all of the things that she's in right now. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about what your current projects are that you can share or things that you're doing that are on the horizon for you? Anything in particular? So we are in the spring planning to go back and touch up all of the Black Lives Matter murals. We are planning to get back out there in the spring this time so that people will have longer to enjoy them because we did it last time in September. And you know, after September, very quickly in Kansas City becomes cold weather and the snow. So if we do it in the spring, then people will have a longer time to enjoy them and it won't be so hot. Nikita actually came out and (laughs) was a lead artist for me and I mean, didn't was the first person there and last person to leave blood, sweat, and tears when I'm telling you people really showed up. So we're gonna be back out there in the spring. We've gotta get, you know, money raised and supplies purchased, but we're gonna be back out there. So that's really exciting for me. I look forward to doing that. Right now, I currently have art right up the street at um, Grandview City Hall on the wall. So um, it's all for sale. So you guys, if you can um, go up the street to Grandview City Hall and find out which piece you want. I'm available. They're all for purchase. Um, You can find all of my art, um, Instagram and Facebook at Expressions of Blue. On Instagram, it's all one word, Expressions of Blue. 
I don't yet have a website. I'm working on that. Don't beat me up, but I'm working on the website. So y'all just be patient with me. Thank you for your, everybody that's been patient with me. And please um, sign your kids up, thevillagekc.com, thevillagekc.com. And one last thing, please, y'all, please go visit blackspaceblackart.com. You can find Black Space Black Art and The Village KC on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much, Sis, for sharing your heart and your art with us. I am going to make sure that I put all of your social media information in the show notes, as well as her beautiful picture. She has a bright smile. You guys have to see it. Um, Thank you all for listening to the Art That Heals Us podcast. Please subscribe on Spotify and the Anchor app. Thank you so much. Until next time. Goodbye.